Eventually I became semi-conscious and a doctor says to me, you have a baby that's dead inside of you for several weeks and you need to have surgery. And at that point I said to him, too much pain, just, just let me go, just let me go. The next thing I experience is I'm on the ceiling and I'm looking down on my body on this operating table. And it's kind of interesting, up until then I'd never seen the inside of an operating table. See, I'd just come from a country that didn't have television. And I'm amazed at the number of people and, and, and the way they're moving around, you know, the nurses, the doctors. And, and I'm up in the ceiling and I'm like, wow, but, but, but how can I be in two places at the same time? Uh, and then the doctor picked up the instrument. <laughs> And I looked at it and I thought, hell no, he's not going to cut me open. How do I get off the ceiling? Listen to the story very well. I'm processing clearer than I would if I was conscious in a, a dramatic situation. How do I get off the ceiling? Well, I'm here to tell you, you know those teachers that tell you that your thoughts turn into words and your words turn into energy that creates action, believe it. Now, soon I said, how do I get off of this in front of the doctor? And I'm going, hello, hello, this is me. You know, you don't need to do this, whatever it is you want to do, hello. I don't understand, he's not paying any attention to me. So something in my head says, try the females. Females are more intuitive, you know? So I'm running from nurse to nurse, explaining, I'm normal, please don't do this. But Nobody seems to be able to recognize that I'm there. And so the next thing I know, all hell breaks loose in the operating room, my flood line. And I'm looking at the graph and I'm going, wait a minute, these people seem to be crazy. Now the instruments in the operating room is not working because you could not explain to me in any kind of way that I could have just died. But I'm processing, and I'm aware of everything that's going on. Um, so then the doctor picks up the, 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 you know, the thing that they use to shock you back. And because I was in spirit, I could see the corona of electricity around him. I'm like, hell no. If I'm not about to die, I'm not going to stay here and allow them to put that level of electricity on me. How do I get out of here? And no sooner I said those words, I found myself through the ceiling and into a dark tunnel. Now when I say to you it was a dark tunnel, I don't think you can begin to understand that level of darkness. It was darkness that seeped deep into your soul. And I'm in this absolutely dark tunnel wondering, well, where is this going to lead to? When a speck of light appeared. And it begins to oscillate. And of course, if you're in a very dark space and light appears, your eyes get drawn to the light. So I'm drawn to the light and I'm watching this oscillating light. And with each, each time it goes around, it expands. And, um, and then I come to the, I'm moving almost to the speed of light. And then I come to, I can see the entrance or the exit of the tunnel. And the thought in my head is, if I ever recover from this experience, 
If I entered that velocity of light, it would burn the Cornelius out of my eyes. And I merged. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you, there are no words in any language to explain the joy, the bliss, the glory, the love. In that moment when you merge with light, it's the most awesome experience. And the only way I can describe it is that piece of scripture speaks about joy unspeakable and full of glory. Today I spend a lot of time helping people to transition from hospices. And what I bring is, ah, you're about to experience the joy of light and love. So I merge with the light and I'm feeling absolutely amazing and exhilarating and, and I'm aware of this light that I've become a part of the light. And then the thought again says, well, how do you move about in this environment? And instantly I'm moving again. And now I come to what may have looked like a Roman, you know, the Romans built those big pavilions with those pillars. And in those days, you know, Televisions were this big and they were cumbersome. Uh, I obviously had never seen um, a full screen, but the screen was probably as big as the length from here to here. And the screen appeared, and when it appeared, it began to scroll. And the screen was divided into three columns. The column on the left was my life the way I had written it. Don't let anybody tell you God writes a life for you. Oh, no, 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 no. He may have input. The left-hand side was my life as I had planned it. In the middle of the screen were all the conditions that came to me in this life in order to be able to fulfill what is on the left. And that's where I started laughing. It was really quite funny. I'm like, how could I have been so stupid? What was wrong with me? <laughs> because when I look at what I had said, and I looked at what I had done with the conditions to help me accomplish it, I was in my way. And I'm here to tell you today, get out your way. And your way is full of all the things you want. One of the first things that I observed between these two parts of the screen was the fact that um, God gave me free will. And I'm wondering why in the world, in all of his wisdom, did he do that? <laughs> and you can imagine, I'm standing there like, oh my God, they never told me this in church. <laughs> so then my attention got caught with the third column. And the third column looked as though Someone had designed a stamp that said, objective not accomplished. So on the whole of the far end of the screen, it's just objective not accomplished, objective not accomplished. Now I'm really feeling like a fool. One of the things I also noticed in the scrolling was, I was always a very empathic child. I grew up in Guyana, South America where there was a tremendous amount of poverty. My father was 
a teacher, and if you're a teacher in a community where most people are illiterate, they treat you like you're Jesus Christ itself, you know? So we lived among farmers, etc. and my father would do things for them, like write letters for them, you know, fill up their forms, teach their children, and when they got crops, they would bring the crops. So we lived well, but for all of my life, I have lived with the feeling that I did not deserve to be able to eat every day when there were children around me who couldn't. We come to the end of the screen and I have a lot of questions. And the screen rescrolls again and only now they have dropped seven lifetimes in there so I can see why I don't understand so much of what's going on in my life. And one of the first things I noticed was my husband at the time, the marriage was having, I've been married twice, the marriage was having some problems. And one of the first things I noticed is that we had three lifetimes that we had lived together and I was the one causing the problems, not him. So in the lifetime I was in, it was my turn, right? People carnal. And, and that created a whole different dynamic on how I looked how I looked and I observed my marriage. So when the screen was over the, for the uh, second time, I asked the question again, well, well how do you move around in, in this life? And um, it took me to the river. Yes, there's a river. You used to sing it. There's a river. Yes, we will gather at the river. Beautiful, beautiful river. There was a river. And on the other side of the river, there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Some of them I could recognize because I had lived with them in the life I just left, but most of them I couldn't recognize by their feature, but I could recognize them by their love. The love, I could feel the connection of love that held us together. And then my aunt stepped forward, who um, was someone I really dearly loved, and she looked at me and she says, you can't stay. And I said, why? She says, no, you have to go back. And I said, why? And she says, you have to go back and tell them there's more to life than meets the eye. And I said, but there are millions of people back there. You can give that message to one of them. Why do I have to go back? And I said, no, you can't stay. You have to go back. And then I found myself falling, 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 falling. And the next experience I had was moving from this brilliant light, love, and joy into excruciating pain in my body. And within the next 24 hours, I realized that I had been changed. Yeah, my near-death experience happened about three years ago. It was an experience which changed my life forever in multiple ways. I became a happier, healthier, and a more peaceful person. So when general anesthesia was induced, about 10 to 15 minutes later after the uh, general anesthesia was induced, I saw myself floating about 10 to 12 feet above uh, the operating table on the left side. And me being an anesthesiologist, my first reaction was, how is this possible? Did somebody put any LSD in my anesthesia? Or somebody used an anesthetic drug known as ketamine, which is a dissociative anesthesia and has LSD kind of reaction. But that was not the case. And my first reaction as an out-of-body experience was that I was not only present in the operating room, but I could also sense and see my mother and my sister in India. They were sitting in the lounge there and it was evening time there and they were having general discussion 
my mom was wearing a green sari and a green sweater and my sister was wearing a blue jean and a red sweater which after two three days of me getting better I called and verified it and in the operating room I saw myself being cut and the infected fluid coming out which was very awful smelling one thing I distinctly remember is the joke told by an anesthesiologist I can repeat the joke but he verified with me in the recovery room that he did tell the joke but his reaction was maybe you were light in anesthesia but my question was if I was light, light in anesthesia I should have been hurting too but I was not hurting and from there my consciousness traveled to different realms the first realm it tra uh, traveled to was a very hellish realm it was pitch dark there was thunderstorm there was lightning and there were very dark entities with crooked teeth running about and I could hear different souls crying and wailing then I was made to lie on a bed of nails and I was kind of tortured my first reaction was why am I here and I asked them to stop stop and I asked for anybody who could help me out and then after I realized why I had been here was because I had been a very mean person a very unloving person and not caring and getting ahead in life no matter what it took was my way of getting ahead in life and then my father showed up and he led me from the hellish realm towards a tunnel on where there was a bright light outside and during the tunnel uh, traveled through the tunnel I had review of my present life which had started in the hellish realm then I had the review of my good part of the life still you know where I have been helpful to the people but most amazing was I had a review of my past lives and two past lives I remember very well one was like I was a poppy farmer in Afghanistan about 1800 years 18th century or so and then from the opium sap I started tasting the opium sap myself and I got addicted to opium and another life I remember was I was a cruel prince in a medieval times and I was whipping the poor farmers with a whip and that had led to my meanness in this present life and my addiction to, of opium in the Afghanistan led to addiction in my this life and actually I had suffered from a very severe wrist, wrist pain about five years before my ND experience and that time I had a regression done by Dr. Brian Weiss and that time in present life I had gone back to previous life and asked forgiveness from the farmers and they forgave me and my hand got better and I did not understand till my NDE how could one go backwards and ask for forgiveness but during NDE I realized in the other realm the time cannot, is not necessarily linear but past, present and future all fuse together and can exist as parallel universes at the same time. So from the hellish realm I went to the tunnel and from the tunnel on the other side I was greeted by two young robust men. They were full of peace and but full of strength and telepathically they told me they were my guardian angels and they were Raphael and uh, Michael. Now it was very surprising to me, me being a Hindu, how could the angels showed up and when I told my wife, my wife's first reaction was, 
what happened to the thousands of Indian gods and goddesses, none of them showed up. <laughs> and from there, I was guided by the angels towards a meadow. The meadow was beautiful with roses of different colors. A clear water stream was flowing and there was sweet smell to the air. And there was a distant chant which sounded like Om or Ang to be correct, which I later on found was a primordial form of Om. And then as I went higher and higher in the realm, the, the consciousness became more formless. That's what the angels had told me too, that at the highest level, the consciousness is totally formless. And then I found myself in front of a light. The light was like about a thousand suns blazing at the same time, but it was not hurting the eyes. It was, I felt unconditional love. Like I talk about, I could see love, I could hear love, I could touch love, I could taste love, and I could smell love. It was love all around. It's very hard to describe it. The best word I have come to describe it, the word I felt was a Sanskrit word, Shanti, which means cosmic peace, cosmic harmony, and bliss. And when I was in the presence of the light being, the light being talked to me without talking, that my life will be spared, but when I go back, it will be a totally different life. I'll have to give up materialism, maybe give up my career as an anesthesiologist, and be a healer of the soul, especially the three conditions I had suffered in my own life, depression, addiction, and chronic pain, and to help people with these things, three conditions, which I call diseases of the soul. And then I woke up with a jolt in the recovery room. My first reaction was to go down on my knees and thank heaven for the experience I had. But I could not get up. Obviously, I had bandages around me. And after my NDE, I got better within 72 hours that I was ready to be sent home on oral antibiotics. My addiction to the narcotics was gone overnight, but my depression and chronic pain took some time. I was at one time on three antidepressants, but now I'm happy to say I'm on none. And they had to be gradually tapered off and my pain got better too. But other things happened in my life, like I sold my about 11,000 square foot house without putting it on the, it on the market. Me and my friend just exchanged it. And then I downsized my cars. I used to drive a sports Mercedes and a Hummer. Now I drive a Toyota Camry, a hybrid. So my life literally and figuratively went from Hummer to hybrid. And my nature changed too. The first thing I was aware of at, uh, later on was um, looking up and seeing the surgeon and hearing him say, pity you were too late, chaps. And he took off his mask and went off. And I uh, was a bit concerned because I had all my faculties were still there. And then I became aware that I wasn't looking at the surgeon from the operating table, but I was way above looking down. And he was chatting and, and they were closing the place up and putting lights out and all that sort of thing. And I had this incredible experience of, of, of moving up into a, a misty sort of area and then becoming aware that I was in a tunnel. And it was, it was totally peaceful. It was, it was um, 
a place of absolute compassion, of understanding, of uh, no coercion to do anything at all. And I became aware, actually, that I wasn't me. I was a, a long tube with, a, with rounded ends, and I was this tunnel started to form around the, the mist. And as soon as I was aware of that, the, the, the tube started to move up the tunnel. There was a vague light at the end. And uh, it came to rest just at the end of the, the tunnel. And I got out. I was no longer the tube. I was a sort of virtual baby in nappies, if you like. A symbol of total innocence, but, but completely without fear. And very curious about the, the light. And, and then it, it, this experience starts, it starts getting trite because I didn't really have the language to describe it. But I got out and I went into this area of, of lighter area, which was sort of floored like alabaster marble and vague colours and movements. of. And there were beings, not that I could see, but that I was aware of. And they were completely... Uh, compassionate, loving, uh, incredibly caring beings, and they said, "This is the this is the entrance to." And I, the wording is difficult here. The entrance to the uh, level of life, if you like. Um, these are our concepts, and these are some of our concepts. And if you feel that you uh, have, if you can contribute to them, or even if you can understand them, you're welcome to come in. But we'll... They actually gave me all the experiences of all my lifetimes to make the decision whether to come in. And I looked at these concepts, and I, frankly, I didn't understand them. I, I thought, I just don't know enough. And I said uh, to these, not said, but communicated to these amazing beings. Um, I think I ought to go back. And then I was aware for the first time of the huge humour that's in the universe and there was a sort of chuckle of appreciation. <laughs> and the voices in unison said, we think you should. <laughs> so I did, I got back into the the tube and went hurting down the tunnel knowing that at the end of it and the visual thing was shards of glass that that uh, I was going to have to go through and, and pain. And in the event, I, I just went through with, with no pain at all. And, and the next thing I knew was a voice saying, shouting, Mr. Miller, are you in there? And I wanted to communicate all this to, to where I'd been and what had happened, what a wonderful thing it was. So having come back into my body, um, I came back with a completely new set of values. All the all the values I'd had before, all the the important things that I seemed to be doing before were, were just a nonsense, and and I was just so glad to be alive and be able, to, capable of 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 appreciating what we have here, of sounds and people and 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 colours and flowers and and growing things. And it was it was a. F fundamentally life-changing experience. And the other big thing is I came back completely without fear of anything, because once you're, once you're not afraid of death, there's not much point in being afraid of, of anything else.
And uh, anyway, I got to a point in my life where I just wanted to give up. I was in so much despair and um, felt my children would be better off without me as well. They'd have a better life without me because I didn't really have too much of a life to offer. And um, anyway, um, I just wanted to give up and I had I had cancer myself. I had breast cancer at the time and I had um, um, black fluid coming from my breast. And um, I had a, the doctors were giving me a lot of uh, Tylenol 3s and I didn't really take them, but I, I kept them in the medicine cabinet at my sister's place. And then when I finally decided that I wanted to to die, I had this plan already in my head and I went out and I got myself um, a Mickey of whiskey and I went inside the bathroom and started swallowing the pills and uh, I must have been about 90, 90 of those Tylenol 3s because I had a lot of those bottles, I had about three different bottles and I swallowed all of them. I think maybe I might have dropped a couple down the sink, but I, I basically swallowed all of them. And I knew I, I was already starting to feel it, and I just started to drink the whiskey, and went and sat down, made myself comfortable on the couch, and laid down and was ready to die. And, um, When I first uh, shut my eyes, um, I remember feeling that pain in my heart, that that uh, loneliness or despair, and um, that loss, you know, that grief. But it was even worse because um, I was first in this place where. Um, I can hear my brothers and sisters talking about talking about me and saying like why why was she so selfish? Why did she do that? You know, and didn't she ever think about us? And then I was just like I can feel a tearing at my heart. And um the more that I heard from my family members the the worse it felt. And these are voices that you heard? These were voices that I was hearing. And what were you seeing as you were? And um, at first I just seen, like at first it was just dark. And then uh, I was told I can hear this other voice and it said, turn around. And I turned around and I can see that very small speck of light way off in the distance. And I uh, started walking towards it because I was told, now go to that light. So I started walking towards that light, and I remember seeing the colors, different colors passing me by. And as I got closer to that light, that light started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And finally, it was just big enough for me to get in. It wasn't like it wasn't like a great big huge door. It was just big enough for me to get through. So I walked inside that light. 
But as I was going towards that light, I could hear that voice telling me, everybody has got a certain time on the earth. Everybody's given a certain time. You would feel that pain, that suffering that you had inflicted upon others until your time was either up or they forgave you. And that's how long you would have suffered. But because you were chosen before you were born to do something, right? And no one else can do it but you. And that's the reason why you're being given this chance. And then I walked inside the light and I dropped to my knees because I can feel that overwhelming sensation of love. It was just so beautiful, I never felt it. And I began to cry. That was so, so beautiful. I never experienced that kind of love in my lifetime. And um, anyway, I seen um, a man standing there. And that man didn't have just one color of skin. His skin kept changing all different colors. And um, when I looked into his eyes, he was like, I could see fire in his eyes. There's nothing, nothing else I could see of him. And uh, I can hear the water behind him. I knew that there was a lake because I can hear that water. And I can hear the children playing and dogs barking. They, they were happy. You can hear the happiness, eh? And the older people, I can hear them joking around and laughing as well. And I could have swear I recognized some of those voices. People that I knew that had passed and uh, that man started to talk and he said uh, yes you were you were chosen before you were born to do a job in the world that nobody else can do and because of that and the fact that you made a promise to God the great spirit the creator of all things because you made that promise you have to fulfill it before you can come back here and you have to go back and when he said I had to go back I grabbed hold of his legs and I grabbed hold of him tight and I was begging him please don't send me back I don't want to go back and he says yeah you must go back he says but so that you remember this visit and that this is real every time you look into the mirror you're gonna have you're gonna have uh, something to remember remember this by and he he sent me back it was just like a bolt of lightning the doctor who had attended to examine me before the nurse they all came in order to clean the floor from the blood well all this was indeed unusual Subsequently, I was not examined there in the examination room, but was brought straightway to the intensive care unit where I stayed. And as one knows, the practices of an emergency unit, there are curtains to the left and to the right of your bed, and the patient is connected to different devices recording physiological data. 
There in the intensive care unit, I still had a lot of pain, physical pain, and I didn't know how to position myself into the bed to, to be comfortable. I had extreme pain. Later on in my life, I had three births, but the pains I had in connection with the cystitis were simply indescribable. Then suddenly I felt as if the room behind me had changed. This means that suddenly I had no more pain. And I felt as if the room behind me would open. The walls, in this case the curtains of this room, suddenly dissolved. So that I found myself in another room. But I did not see my body from above or something like that. But I was in this other room in the form of a soul. And this awareness was simply, well, I would say, indescribable. That means not easy to describe in human terms. I was completely separated from my body, and I no longer perceived it anywhere, contrary to what other people say. And also, I was not in a tunnel or anything like it, but I was really, let me say, in the next room. And there was pure light, like a light yellow, very bright light, is how I would describe it. But neither did it dazzle, nor was it too hot or for me. It was just pure shelteredness, there, shelteredness, pure love, simply unconditional love, freedom, infinity of the being. Well, it's indescribably beautiful, and in my case, I was first allowed to enjoy this place, this state, for a moment. And first, I also did not perceive other beings or so, but I simply was so sheltered, floating. But then there was more or less a recall, like, hello, you have not yet finished. There is one more thing waiting for you. And then I saw an angel on my left side, how, how I would describe it. In fact, this was not an angel, as usually illustrated in the pictures or shown uh, in paintings. Um, but it was a formless white figure and around it a golden gleam with a bright golden yellow shimmer around this luminous appearance. It was a giant figure. I realized that this appearance was a kind of companion for me in this phase. So this angel showed me my present situation on earth and that I had not yet finished with it. So I had to view the present situation on earth which I would leave behind, thereby seeing my, my apartment with the dirty laundry as well as with the still unpaid bills of the month. And this is meant in the truest sense of the word. I realized I would leave all this behind. I simply realized my whole earthly situation as it was. I realized it a hundred percent, namely with increased consciousness, I'd say, very clearly. I saw all this somehow three-dimensionally, and for a moment I really had the impression that I was inside my apartment and therefore able to say goodbye to my earthly existence as such. And so I also was shown my closest relatives, 
which means that I was allowed to say goodbye quite consciously to my loved ones. Then I was aware of what this farewell would mean to the bereaved relatives. And as for me, the situation was specific, because at the same time I was in hospital, my father was in one hospital, suffering from an uncurable form of leukemia, and my elderly grandmother was also seriously ill, and she was in yet another hospital. So I realized... Now I just simply will die. It will be very hard for my family because their focus was quite different because my father had already been ill for several months and it was all about his health and his disease and his blood values and about everything feasible. And there were also worries about my grandmother. And under these circumstances, I would simply have passed away. I knew that it's going to be tough for them. I knew exactly how bad it would be for each one of them. But nevertheless, I also knew that it was okay. But I perceived their souls, one might say three-dimensionally. And I could say goodbye to each individual. Well, the specific thing was that I felt that I had enough time to do so. There was no stress, and it was based on the motto, buck up, you've got to say goodbye now, the angel is waiting. But I really um, had time to do all this with all my heart and very conscientiously. And having finished saying goodbye to all of them, I approached the angel once again and said to him quite deliberately, if it's time for me to pass away now, I will join you. Then I didn't even have time to think. I just felt a jerk and I was back in my body, suffering pain again. And well, this was really hard, but I didn't have a choice. But it was clear to me that I would leave this earth and I would die leaving behind this life. Well, then if life still went on, and for a moment this was very hard for me, because on the one hand I suffered physical pain again, and on the other hand it was very hurtful to be forced to go back into this narrowness, as is as in this case into my body, actually being too small for a soul, and back into a world which actually is much too cold and too rigid, and compared with the reality prevailing after death, my return to earth left a lot to be desired. 